Today, we're going to finish our series. It's been for 16 weeks now on the Ecclesia. We're going to finish this series. And full transparency, I, I just love this season. That The Lord's just been showing me things throughout this whole season, this, this whole series. Um, and I want to preach to you. I want to culminate this message this morning. And, and, and by culminating, I thought I was going to go in one direction, but the Lord's going to reach back to last week a little bit and tie some things together. The one word that I want to preach today as we finish this series on the Ecclesia is this one word called occupy. Occupy. Upon this rock I will build my Ecclesia and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is speaking about the keys of the kingdom and, and the authority that you and I carry. Uh, there, there's something that has happened in the church world and I don't know when it happened. It wasn't when I was a kid. But there's somewhere along the way, we, we adopted this doctrine of dualism. Right. Of dualism. What I mean by that is, is there's this doctrine that has now infiltrated the church, and it's a doctrine of dualism. That there's this good God called Jesus, and there's this bad God called Satan. And they both are powerful. And depending on what happens to your moment by moment or minute by minute or day by day, it depends on which one is stronger than the other. Dualism. That there's this perpetual good and there's this perpetual evil and they are always at war with one another. So that means that Satan is fighting God Satan is fighting Jesus, and Jesus gets up every morning and is fighting Satan. I want to remind you that the stronghold of the enemy has been completely broken at the cross of Calvary. He has no keys. He has no sting. He has no authority. He has no dominion, and he has no power. There is no God that can match him. Besides him, there is no other. Satan is not God's enemy. God has no enemies. There is no one that exists on his level. Satan, Lucifer, the, the imps of hell, they may be our enemies, but they're not God's enemy. He lives on a whole other level. Huh. But there is something that fights God. We find it in Scripture. This is a Scripture I don't know that any of you have ever had quoted to you. We're going to find out in a minute. You ready? I don't know how many sermons I've ever heard preached this text. We find it in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 7. Look at this. But the carnal mind is the adversary of God. Let us close in prayer. Do you know, you want to know what the enemy of God is? Your carnal thinking. God has no rival. But the thing he fights is our carnality. Specifically, our mind carnality. When the flesh of our bones, that is according to the sin nature of our life, when it has control of our thought life, that is the thing that God constantly is engaged in warfare with. He doesn't fight the devil for you. He fights your carnality for you. Okay. 
It's going to get worse before it gets better. Okay? The carnality of our mindset is what God has to contend with. Look at the text. For the carnal mind is enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. This is why when we get to heaven, we have to have a whole other new body. Because my flesh will never be saved. Oh, here we go. My flesh, listen, when I came into confession of the Lord Savior, I received the atonement, the blood of Jesus Christ over my life. My spirit man was raised from death to life. My spirit man was awakened. And my spirit man is saved. But according to scripture, I'm having to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable act of worship. Watch this. But not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So watch this. My spirit is saved, but my mind is being saved. But according to scripture, my flesh will never be saved. And when my flesh has control of my thought life, that's when God has to fight. When I let my flesh have control of my mind, that's when God has to engage in warfare. He doesn't fight the devil for me. He has to fight my own carnality. The, the carnal realm, the flesh realm, the, the natural realm, it, it's the thinking of it is when God has to engage with hostility. For the sake of time, I'm not going to quote that. I'm not going to read it in its entirety, but the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 is a very powerful parable that God gives about the kingdom. You'll find it 11 through 27, but I'm just going to, I'm going to talk through it for a minute. He gives us the parable of the ten minas, okay? The parable of the ten minas. This, this parallels a lot with the parable of the ten talents. The five talents and the one talent. But this is a different parable. And it's another picture of the kingdom of God. And he, tell, he summons ten of his servants together. And he tells the ten servants, I'm going to give each of you a mina. I'm going I'm to invest in you a thing. I'm going to invest in you a thing. And I'm going to give all of you the same thing. And I want you to operate because I'm going to build a kingdom. I'm going to gain a kingdom. I'm going to receive a kingdom. And when he had received the kingdom, he came back. And the Bible says three of them came and he gave us an account. And one of them that had one mina produced ten mina. Watch this. And the ten mina qualified him for the authority over ten cities. The one with one mina came back and produced five mina. And the five mina qualified him for the kind of authority over five cities. And he said to them before he left, look at the text, occupy until I come. Now, that doesn't mean hang out and just kind of doodle. That doesn't mean just kind of loaf and make sure you get all your vacation days in. It means to take territory until I come. Several years ago, we had this thing called Occupy Wall Street. And what they did is they took over. They made it so hostile and inconvenient that people were afraid for their lives to even go into their jobs. Why? Because they were telling them this is an occupation. And I'm going to not hang out. I'm going to take over. I'm not here to hang out. I'm here to take over. Because the expectation of the one who has invested in me not only wants what he gave me, but he wants a return as well. So one 
got one, all 10 got one, one came back and produced 10, he, became, he qualified him for the authority over 10 cities. Look at the text. What a powerful picture. You've been faithful with one mina. You produced it 10 times. Now I'm going to give you 10 cities. God's math is not fair. But I like it. One got one minor, produced five, and it qualified him for authority over five cities. The same one, another one got the same one. And look at the text. The Bible says that he hid it under a handkerchief. And I hid it under a handkerchief because I knew you were this really bad guy, shrewd businessman. Listen to the mentality. One said, you invested in me, and you, then you told me to occupy. That word occupy means to do business. <laughs> with what the master has instilled in me, I'm going to work with. I'm going to barter. I'm going to do business. I'm going to trade. I'm going to bank. I'm, listen, what he gave me was not my harvest. It was my seed. You didn't hear what I said. What he gave me was not harvest. He gave me seed. And he will give seed to the. So while people are shouting about the harvest, what he really gave you was seed. Oh, I feel like running around this room. Many of us are sitting here. Ugh. At some point, that man that I was talking about at advanced, that he was shouting over his return, it, could it be that it wasn't his harvest, it was his seed? I go, so further, I go further to tell you that inside of every harvest is seed. Okay, let me, let me, okay. I, I was, listen to the mindset. You, you, you are such a, a bad, shrewd businessman. So I didn't want to ruin it. So I hid it under a handkerchief waiting for your return. It's the mentality. He got the same as everybody else. Oh, he got his fair share. But because he had the wrong mindset. See, the ability to please God is not in your keeping, it's in your occupying. Well, he gave me this talent. What did he give it to you for? To use it or to produce a harvest from it? You know the most miserable people I found in my life? The most miserable people I ever engage with are the ones that God has invested in that sit on their blessed ooh, assurance. Jesus is mine. Do you know the first three letters of assurance? You wait till 1130. Look at this text in verse 22. And because of that, look at the text. Out of your mouth, I will judge you. In other words, you know, and it is your mindset as it approaches to what I have given you that has limited. So I want to talk to you a minute. I'm going to go back a little bit from last Sunday because I want to help us with mindsets. There are three dimensions. I'm going to preach this real fast. There are three dimensions of our mindsets most often as it relates to bondage. Watch this. Number one is called generational curses. Generational curses are bondages that are passed down through the bloodline. This is our sin nature. 
Generational curses. They are, they, are, they are bondages that are passed down through your bloodline. Listen, this is what physical traits, psychological traits, and yes, even spiritual traits that have been passed down through our bloodline. This is why David said that you and I were conceived. We were conceived. We were born in iniquity. We were born twisted. And listen, this is why when you go to a doctor, they ask you your family history. Because even in your natural, they say, if I can tie something to a bloodline, it gives me an indicator of what you may be going through now. We say things like, well, you know, her mama was real nervous when she was little, too. And now she's just a little bit, she, she's real nervous, too. She, she just acts like a mama. Her grandmother, her grandfather, her grandfather, his grandfather was the exact same way. His grandfather was a drunk, he was an alcoholic, and, and now he, you know, he's just kind of doing the same thing. It's, it's his family. What's generational curses? The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9, that the sins of the father are passed to the third and the fourth generation. And so what happens is, by way of bloodline, there are things that are passed down to us simply by the fact that we are connected with blood to other people. Physical things, psychological things, and even spiritual things. Listen, and listen, oh God, and what may be quiet in one generation will be screaming by the third or the fourth. This is why you and I have to deal with generational curses. This is why we have to deal with it because it may not be a thing for you, but by the third, the fourth generation, they're out on the street fully addicted. I am preaching better than you shouting this morning. Yeah. So, so what you did is you didn't have a problem with that alcohol in your refrigerator, but you let a devil loose for your great-grandson. Okay. The sins of the father go to the third. and the, uh, Let me go deeper. Because what you do not confront grows. What you do not confront grows. And if you refuse to confront it, it may be fine for you, but it may be a devil, a bondage for the next generation. But I'm so grateful that I'm even scanning this room right now. I'm looking at people that know that you've stemmed between one generation to the next generation. It says, it stops right here with me. There will never be another bondage of alcohol. There will never be another bondage of addiction. There will never be another. We're not walking in adultery. We're not walking in promiscuity. We're not walking in perversion. When I'm walking in chaos and I'm standing right here between the generation that was and the generation that will be, and I say it is over with in my gen this giant is dead for my family. Nah, and if you don't believe it, that's why people are shouting because they know it should appear from generation to generation, but your children will never know the hell you've been through. Because generational curses can be broken by the power of Jesus. Generational curses. And then there's another dimension that the Bible describes as yokes. Oh, and y'all just better pray for me right now because I'm feeling fiery. And at this particular moment, I don't care who's listening. Yokes are bondages that are imposed on someone, look at the text, usually at an early age by experiences or environments. While generational curses are sin's nature, a yoke is sin's nurture. And it usually happens at an early age. <clears throat> when, 
When, when an oxen is first born, immediately the master will put a yoke on it and will get it at a very early age to walk around with that yoke of restraint and restriction. It connects it to the yoke early so that when the ox becomes big and powerful, too powerful really to control, it's so used to carrying the yoke that even though it's more powerful, even though it has greater muscles, even though it has the ability to break loose and break free, it has been in its life for so long, it now becomes a comfort blanket for it. So the old oxen's life is ruled by its childhood yoke. This is why there is an assault on our children. This is why they're attacking the mindset of our children in the education system. That's why they're attacking them on the Disney Channel. That's why they're attacking them. And Nick, I told you I'm pissed off. I mean, I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm sorry. Woo, God help me. God help me. Oh, I apologize. I, I'm angry. I'm angry. Yeah. Because we just let it yoke up. We just think it's cute. We play games with it. We let them watch Buzz Lightyear anyway. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. My wife, oh, oh, I am so sorry. My, my, my wife took my daughter and some of her friends down to the beach for, to celebrate their birthdays just a couple weeks ago. And, and with permission from one, one, of the, one of the friend's parents, guardians and parents, they, they said, we'll allow your daughter, we're going to allow our daughter to go get her ear pierced. So my wife took my daughter's friend to a pierce place to get another hoe, which I don't understand, but whatever. Okay, whatever. They denied her access to an additional piercing because she didn't have the proper guardianship in the room with her. Yet there is a war for our children to be able to change their gender without parental consent. So you, you will allow them to change their gender as a child, but they can't get their ear pierced without parental consent. Why? Because it's a yoke. I'm telling you, I'm angry. I'm fired up, ready to go. It's a yoke. They're trying to get them as a kid. They're trying to educate them as a kid. They're trying to bind them as a kid. Why? So when they get strong enough to break free, they're so used to that bondage that it becomes familiar. It's a yoke. Sexual perversions. Chaos, addictions. Oh, God have mercy. How, why do you think every kid is being medicated right now? It's another yoke. It's another yoke. My mother, and listen, oh God, I'm, listen, I'm making, oh, every situation, there's some situations that may require medication. And then there's some situations that require. Okay. If you'll bust their butt, they won't break your heart. Pastor, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. When you start your church, you can preach whatever you want to. It's a yoke. 
It's because of it's because of the environment. It's because of the sin nature. And not just the sin nature, but now the sin nurture. So it is generations of racism. It is generations of bigotry. It's generations of anger. It's generations of resentment. Oh, you got, don't get quiet on me now. Just because I said the racism word. Don't, don't back up on me now. Come on, it's generations of it. Why? Because at an early age, we sat with our grandparents and they used language that we would never say in public. But the good news is even yokes can be destroyed. The Bible says, I release my anointing and my anointing destroys the yoke and removes the burden. What am I saying? Whether it's a generational curse or whether it is a yoke, it can be destroyed by the power of Jesus, of Jesus. And then the third one, which to me is the most violent of all of them, is what the Bible describes as strongholds. This is where we were last week. And I, and I, can't, I can't remove myself from it. A stronghold is a fortress of the mind. It's a way of thinking, watch this, that keeps prisoners locked in and the word of God locked out. It's... Prince, come here. Prince, come here. Prince, come here. Hurry. Hurry. Turn around. Just face them. Isn't he cute? You all right? Yes. Okay. It's a stronghold. And my objective is to choke the ever-loving life out of him. To keep him from moving. I am cutting off the oxygen to his brain. Oh, calm down, boy. Calm down, sir. So that I paralyze him from getting out of it. This is, I do this to my nephews all the time. I grab them and I come right behind them. Call me uncle. And I don't let go until... It is a strong hold. I am keeping him within my grip. Listen, these are not broken immediately. Thanks, buddy. They're not broken immediately. They have to be pulled down. There are some things that can be cast out. But there are other things that have to be pulled down. Okay? Doors can be opened to let evil in, but it is the strongholds that keep them protected in our minds. Mindsets. They're taught by culture. They're taught by race. They're taught by society. They're taught by family. They're taught by pain. They're taught by abuse. They're taught, about, they're, they're taught by previous history. They're taught by our sin nature and our sin nurture. And the problem is, it gets in here. According to our carnality, and then the God who loves us everlasting has to fight us. 
to get us into the position to pull it down. Second Corinthians 10, last week. For, for we walk according to the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. <clears throat> for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the body through God for the pulling down of strongholds. The casting down of imaginations. Verse 5. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity. If you're not careful, you'll allow your thought to keep you captive. When the command of God is that we take every thought captive. Strongholds, they have to be torn down. They have to be pulled down. Watch this. It's amazing to me how many strongholds live in church. And it's easily visible because immediately when a promise of God is released, your mind starts to contend against it. A, a word is released and you start arguing with why it can't happen for you. You, you start to debate it and get in an argument with why it won't work. It's because your flesh has control of your thought and now God is trying to fight for you by fighting you. Last Sunday, the 1130 service, just a prophetic wave hit this room and I just began to prophesy. Just begin to walk through the room and hear the word of the Lord. At the end of that service, two, two, different, two different people, two different situations. I'll tell you one. 18-year-old little girl knocked on my door. I don't know how she figured out which one was mine, but she figured it out. Heard her father comes back there and knocks on my door. And says, the dad says, hey, PG, do you have, I know you're tired. Do you have a minute? I'm like, yeah, what, what's, my daughter has a question for you. Okay. She said, did you or did you not speak to my parents this week about what I'm going through? And I'm like, honey, I had no idea. I mean, the one that was telling me knew exactly what you were going through, obviously. Well, I just need to know. Okay? okay? I just need to know. She, I mean, attitude about it. I just need to know. What happened? Her stronghold was trying to contend with the word of the Lord to keep her from receiving. So this has to be fake. My parents got with the pastor and told the pastor exactly what's been going on with me. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. And he told him exactly what was going on with me. And right there in the name of spirituality... So I'm prophesying over her, but the enemy, the stronghold is screaming, don't listen to him, don't listen to him. This is fake. This is manipulation. They're just trying to tell you that this is wrong. All the mind trash that the enemy plays. Why? Because her stronghold started to contend against the word of the Lord. Honey, I haven't spoken to your parents. I have no idea, but the God who does knows you and loves you. Everything that was said to you was a prophetic word for you. As she's walking away, you old school preachers get on my nerves. My old school. 
old school. I'm old school. And I thought, yeah, to an 18-year-old, I guess I am. You old school preachers get on your ner- my nerves. Watch this. Your mind, here, the reason I give you that example is because your mind will not easily submit to God's promise. Let's, let's take a test. During the stewardship decree, how many of you went, yes, and I wonder how many went, mm, I don't know if this is legit. Hmm. This feels like there's an angle here. They are getting ready to build a building. So you're questioning my flesh when it's really yours. I'm trying to get the blessing of the Lord to invade your mailbox. And your flesh is going, manipulation, 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 manipulation. That's not my stronghold, that's yours. Vince is up here going, lift your voice in worship. Give God praise. Come on, go after God. And your stronghold is going, now you know you don't deserve to lift your hands in worship. This isn't your style of music. How much longer am I going to have to stand? Are we going to say worthy 15,000 more times? It is quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church. What is it? It's not Vince's stronghold, it's yours. What is he trying to do? What is this team trying to do? They're trying to get you to lift your voice in victory. They're trying to get you to clap your hands and shout unto God with a voice. They're trying to get you to put yourself in a position to tell God how important he is to you. And you sit there with your stronghold going, you ain't moving me. I ain't that kind of worshiper. Cool. Enjoy your stronghold. The word of the Lord is released. Healing is in the room. And the stronghold in you goes, well, it's not for me. Somebody else is going to be healed because I'm not qualified. Or God's mad at me. It's the stronghold. Hear me. Because what you refuse to submit to, you will inevitably resist. Because Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, as a man thinketh, see, what we believe is ultimately what we will become. I'm not preaching humanism today. I'm talking about when the promises of God are being spoken over your life. If you believe and receive them, ask in my name and you shall have them. Do you believe that or do you, are you more comfortable in your stronghold? Okay. L- look at 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2. We love to quote with this one particular verse, but we never do it in context. Listen to this. Therefore I say containing the scriptures, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect, precious, And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. 
When you believe the word of the Lord, it becomes precious to you. And when the word that God has spoken over you is precious, God says, I'm not going to embarrass you. When you believe me and what I have spoken over your situation, I'm not going to embarrass you. Watkins family, I know what you're believing God for. But you got to hold it. you got to hold it. And the word that the Lord has spoken has got to be precious to you on the inside. And I promise you, you're not going to be embarrassed for having trusted the Lord. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, here we go, you ready? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Watch this. A stone of stumbling. Next verse. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So for the person who believes, the word of the Lord becomes precious. But for the one who's walking in disobedience, they start tripping over it. You start stumbling. Well, this is just, this is, uh-uh, I just don't know. And not only do you start tripping, now you get offended. What do you mean? You become offended in your disobedience. Why? Because of the stronghold. Let me hurry. To which, uh, disobedient to the word, look at the text. They become disobedient to the word to which they are also appointed. This word was appointed for you to receive. But because you function in disobedience, you start tripping and get offended. Oh, I feel frisky now. So you neglect the word of the Lord and operate in disobedience. But you mad at everybody else. Now this is the scripture we love. In light of this, you either hold the word precious or you find the word offensive because of the stronghold of disobedience in your life. But I say to you, You are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Look at verse 10. Who were once not a people but are now. You used to not be a people but now you are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Here's what God is saying. God is saying that when you trust in me and you believe my word and it becomes precious to you, I change everything about your situation. You are no longer classified as this, classified as that. No, you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, and you are special to me. And that's what you're classified by. But that's not what we do. Our race contends with this new holy nation. Our class contends with whether or not we're special. You didn't hear what I said. Our comforts and our conveniences contend with whether God is really going to call us out of darkness into marvelous light. We contend with how marvelous this light is. 
Because we contend through our strongholds, our mindsets. The Lord gave me this this morning. I thought I would write it down for you and put it on screen. The warfare I face is not for the sake of my victory, but my ability to occupy his promise or command. The warfare I'm in is not because I'm fighting for victory. Victory has already been, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. God, Jesus, gives you and I the victory. There's not one thing you're contending with today that you have not been given the victory over. We're not contending for victory, we're contending for occupation. Can I begin to dwell in this and then it produce an inheritance in my life? One of my favorite scriptures, one of my scriptures, one of my favorite things about Judah Church is this church is filled with veterans. I love it. I love it. I live it. I love it. Several years ago, when I was younger, we had this thing called Operation Iraqi Freedom. Y'all? In three days, in three days, they took Saddam Hussein out. It wasn't even close. In three days, we, they, they decided, we're going in here and we are liberating this nation. And in three days, they had freedom. Watch this. But it took 10 years to occupy it. We spent as a nation the next 10 years trying to get that nation to learn how to dwell in this new freedom. Victory was given in three days. It took 10 years for occupation. <laughs> Israel, from the time of Moses, had been given the land flowing with milk and honey. It was their promise from the Lord. It took 40 years and the death of Moses in that generation for them to actually go in and begin to operate and occupy it. But even the war today is not the war for the promise. The war is to maintain the occupation. So I'm done right here, Antoine. I'm done right here. Are we all right? We okay this morning? Baby, you're going to be mad at me. I said a bad word from the pulpit. I'll let somebody else tell you. <laughs> Unless you always say it again. Okay. Here it is right here. You ready? Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able. How many of you know he's able right now? That was four of us. How many of you know he's able right now? He's not conjuring up. He's not cranking up. He's not revving up his engine. He's not stretching. He's able right now to do what? Oh, God. Exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can even ask or here we go. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Watch this. According to the, that, 
It is not a question of God's ability. It's a question of how activated we are in his ability. According to the power that we allow to work in us. How many of you, listen, I, I'm, by nature, I feel like I'm a very creative person. You tell me, somebody asked me, said, how long do you think it would take you to spend $10 million? I said, give me 15 minutes. Because I'm telling you, I, can, I know exactly what I would do. Well, what if it was $100 million? Give me 16 minutes. And I'll spend $100 million. I feel like I'm a very creative person. I feel like I, I can go there. I can go there. I can go from eccentric to gaudy. Do you understand? But I don't even engage God's power in what I think. I'm not even, okay, you didn't get that. I'm not even making him work with how creative I can be. There's not an ask that I have that even engages him in the way he thinks. Exceedingly and abundantly above that I can even I haven't got God off the couch yet with his ability do you understand what is available to you and me the key is does he have permission to work within us see it's not delayed by his ability it's delayed by my activation of what his power can do within me this is why he said in verse 13 of the gospel of Matthew the gospel of Luke chapter 19 occupy until I come Y'all, if we ever get it, and then let it work exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can even ask a thing. Slip up your hands and honor the king all over this room. Father, we worship you today. I want you to pray. Don't contend with your flesh. I want you to praise him. I want you to worship him like he is the God that is infusing you with his ability, his power, according to the power that worketh in you. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, God. Then greater is he that is in you than anything that could ever be against you. Oh, God, we worship you. We honor you for this word today. We thank you, Lord, for the investment that you've made into our life. Today, God, give us spiritual strategy to occupy until you come. I pray that you would unlock an occupation mindset. And I pull down every generational curse. 
I break the yoke off of the backs of your sons and daughters and we cast down imaginations and strongholds and arguments that contend with the decree of God over our life. God help us to not negotiate with our flesh. Let us take on the mind of Christ today. Let us take on the mind of Christ today. Let us see with your eyes. Let us hear with your ears. Let us walk with the decree. I pray that we stir the gift of God on the inside of us. Let that power begin to work within us, Lord. Work within us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Somebody just use your outside voice and give Him praise before we leave today. Let's give Him praise before we leave today. Praise like you're going to occupy. I want you to praise Him like you're coming through. I want you to praise Him like healing is your portion. Like provision is your portion. Somebody praise Him. Praise Him like every stronghold is broken. Praise Him like every generational curse is canceled. Praise Him like every yoke is being destroyed. I dare you to not negotiate and lift your voice like a trumpet and bless the Lord with all that is within me. I bless your name. I bless your name. your name we bless 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 your name according to the power put it at work within us Lord we plug into the name we plug into the name today Some of you just close your eyes all over the room. If you're struggling with a mind battle, you're struggling with a stronghold that's in your mind, I just want you to reach up and lay hands on yourself right here. Just lay hands on yourself. Just grab hold of your mind. Father, we pull down that imagination. We cast down that argument. We pull down, we tear down that stronghold. We renounce it and we resist generational curses. We renounce it and we resist yokes of bondage. Uh huh. That have been nurtured by environment and education. I break confusion off of your childhood. I break the abuse. I break the abandonment off of you. And we pull it down by the power of the blood of Jesus. Power of the blood of Jesus. Now somebody let go of your mind and give it to God right here with your hands and thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. Thank him. 